This is Town Square Sunday On Demand. And now, 1420 WBSM's Jim Phillips. Good morning and welcome to Town Square Sunday. I'm Jim Phillips. We hope you had an enjoyable Thanksgiving. Every few weeks, Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light keeps us in touch with local news happenings while offering some keen observations on the news. Jack is a columnist for New Bedford Light, and he joins us today. So welcome back, Jack. Good to be here as always, Jim. Um, And looking at uh, the light this week, there was a story about New Bedford's dilemma with lead pipes. Apparently, there's still a lot of underground water pipes that are have lead in them. And uh, I know that there would seem to be an effort a few years ago uh, to replace a lot of those pipes. But there's still many, many, many miles, I guess, of, of these pipes still in the ground. They're still there. And then those pipes can be harmful. Yes. Uh, so lead pipes in ur- old urban cities is a problem, not just New Bedford, but virtually everywhere sure. um, in America. And uh, New Bedford had been going along for a while, replacing about 100 of them a year. If you wanted it replaced fast, you had to pay for it yourself. Um, and then I guess beginning in 2018, they amped that up. And between 2018 and early 2020, when the pandemic started, they did about 1,200. Then the pandemic hit, they stopped. Then the city council, you may remember, last year refused to give them any money for um, the sewer and water department borrowing. And that affected both the combined sewer outflow pipes, but also the lead pipe replacement program. Finally, this past year, the year we're in, 2022, the council relented and gave them that money, and they have applied to start up again and do um, lead pipes replacement at the rate that they did with the state revolving loan fund. And I think there may also be some opera money that they can apply for. Well, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's really time to get this cleaned up. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a health issue, and, uh, you know, especially for kids. Yeah. I think there were two things that were concerning about that story to me. One was that the city really could not tell you us where they were next going to remove lead pipes. So nobody really knows if their neighborhood is about to get replaced. Yeah. And they are dangerous because even though they chemically treat it, some of it can leach. And the other thing that, that bothered me was that, that they, they really haven't um, uh, come up with a program for people who want theirs removed immediately other than to pay for it, which really is regressive against people who may be low income who for whatever reason they need to have it replaced yeah. right now. So uh, there's uh, some work being done and at least some planning being done and apparently some money available, but uh, there's but, still but, much to be done. Right, and, 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 and they have fallen off. They have not done anything lately, you yeah. know, in, in terms of pipe replacement. Another problem that uh, is particular and peculiar to our time, I think, we all know there's a homeless problem in New Bedford. Many families, uh, at least uh, we've heard reports, living out of their cars and certainly living in shelters or shelters for families. And now we hear about homeless school children, children who perhaps are a little bit older, living with their friends, uh, using the couch to sleep on, uh, 
And some may be living out of cars if they have a car, which is probably kind of doubtful. But, you know, there's those. Their parents' car. Yeah. Homeless school children. That seems to be the latest thing. What was the lights uh, finding on that? So I was astounded by the numbers in, in this story. Um, that there were hundreds of, of school children that are classified as homeless. Now, this classification is different than the city's uh, homeless classification, mm-hmm. which is people who are on the street um, uh, living in shelters, things like that. These are, are people who have been displaced for whatever reason. Um, their parents have been evicted from an apartment. They may have been burned out by a fire, and they are couch surfing. Um, they don't really have a permanent place of residence for the time being. And so uh, the story talks about the term doubling up, and they go to their relatives where they can stay for a while, but that kind of gets old after a while. Uh, They go to friends, the same story. And so while these families do not have a permanent place of residence, the school department classifies them as homeless, and it has a unique set of support uh, programs for them because, as you can imagine, when a child is homeless, uh, having a routine for things like homework and uh, good meals, all kinds of things get affected. Clothing, if they've been burnt out by a fire. So the city, the school department has taken upon itself to do support services for these children who do not have a permanent place of residence. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you say support services, uh, it may not give them a place to live. What does it? No, I think I think they may try to help them find a place to live. Okay. I don't think they provide a place to live. Um, but I was surprised that they have a whole department within the school department to help homeless children. Mm. Um, if, if you think about it, it's not, never a child's fault that they're homeless, but if their parent has been evicted for whatever reason, if their parent has been burnt out and the child is um, living temporarily with a relative or a friend, they don't have a permanent residence, and that child's life is in upheaval, and so they're trying to help. Uh, these stories, a couple of stories here that we've mentioned, lead pipes and homeless school children, you will read only, frankly, uh, at New Bedford Light, newbedfordlight.org, and uh, they're doing some wonderful work there. Um, Jack, the elections are over, and the voters have made their choice. Uh, Paul Hero. Uh, I should say Paul Hero. Uh, we've all were pronouncing his name wrong for maybe six weeks, and now we, we, we learn it's Paul Hero, the next sheriff of Bristol County. He'll be sworn in on January 4th, I believe. Uh, and apparently it was the voters of New Bedford that gave him that victory. Uh, I was astounded, frankly, by the numbers in New Bedford. So on election night when I was in the elections office, and by the way, it's not like it used to be. I was the only reporter there in person. And when Manny DeBritto, the Elections Commission chair, announced the numbers, I audibly gasped because I, did, I expected Hero to win New Bedford. Um, whoever the sheriff's opponent has always won the city of New Bedford, and, and the sheriff has won in, in the surrounding towns, and particularly in the northern part of the county. Yeah, sometimes Fall River. Yeah, sometimes Fall River. But when I saw that the sheriff had lost by 4,500 votes, uh, I, I just thought, well, that's a big number to overcome. And it was true. He could not overcome that. He did get it down to about 2,800, I think, which is still a significant victory. And the way Hero did it was by just doing a lot of door-to-door, um, a lot of money. 
um, in uh, mailers, flyers that went from outside groups. Uh, Impressive flyers, yeah, yeah. well done, uh, high quality. Uh, it was, uh, you know, I got a couple of my house, and I said, "Wow, yeah. wonder who's paying for this?" <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm registered as an independent, and I get everything. Yeah. And I always vote, so I get everything, and uh, I just got huge numbers of um, flyers uh, from uh, groups like the Working Families, who I weren't sure exactly who they were, yeah. and they were very specific in the charges that they made, uh, many of them quite negative. So, um, to be fair, the sheriff also had some negative flyers out there, too. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's been some discussion about the money that Hero uh, uh, raised with a lot of outside contributions. Now, that's not illegal by any stretch, but uh, there was a lot of outside yeah. money spent. He explained that the sheriff made himself a national figure on the immigration issue, uh, pledging to bring inmates to the border. When you become a very high-profile figure on a national level like that, you're likely to attract outside attention, and that outside attention um, translated into money. Uh, Governor Charlie Baker's uh, PAC, which is not dark money, but outside money, uh, which is hard to trace. You can trace it, but also put a lot of money into the sheriff's race, not nearly as much as was put into Hero's race, although the sheriff started out because he's been in office for 25 years with quite a bit more money than Hero. All right, so George Soros, did he contribute to Hero's campaign? We at the Light could never pin that down. That charge was made by the sheriff's campaign. Um, we did we did trace some of the money to Michael Bloomberg's uh, uh, gun safety um, political action committee, but we, we I'm not saying that Soros didn't, but we were not able to trace that. All Keep right. in mind, it's stock money. Uh-huh. Uh, okay, so um, we remind you, you're listening to Town Square Sunday. I'm Jim Phillips. My guest is Jack Spillane, columnist for New Bedford Light. You can read Jack's work and other interesting stories at newbedfordlight.com. There was some criticism about vote counting in New Bedford, specifically why does it take so long. You did a column on vote uh, counting where you sat down with Manny DeBrito, the election commissioner, to talk about some of these issues, uh, I tell you, the column contains a lot of uh, informative uh, data telling us some of the issues that he's facing and counting ballots. It's not like the old days, as is uh, most things today. It it really is quite a different uh, counting system now that they have allowed virtually unlimited, no-excuse mail-in voting in many days, I think it's two weeks, of early voting. So those votes, we always had absentee voting, but they were a minuscule amount, you know, 1%, 2% of the total vote. Now, early voting and um, no-excuse mail-in voting is accounting for 12%, nearly 12% of the vote in New Bedford, almost 40% and more on some of the affluent towns on Cape Cod. So, so many ballots are coming in that way that they have to have a way of counting them. And the Secretary of State offered different ways, but the one that the city chose was, and there were reasons for this, they would count everything up until November 4th, which was um, four days before the election. That, that's how much they felt they could accommodate. Then anything that came in after that, as well as anything that was postmarked by election day and came into the following Saturday, they would not count until the final Saturday. Now, this election wasn't close enough to really call that into question, but what I realized was that 
they were tabulating these votes in different methods. And whereas before you used to have 36 precincts, now there are 41 because of five extra precincts. The state has foisted on New Bedford. That's a whole other story. Yeah. So, the, so in addition to the 41 precincts that vote on election day, those numbers were spit out. But the 41 precincts, you have 41 precincts whose ballots are being counted separately at a whole different counting counting session. In fact, maybe even two counting sessions when you count the late ballots. And those, for whatever reason, did not spit out on the printout that many printed out. And election observers, uh, WBSM, the New Bedford Light, noticed that the numbers didn't add up. The numbers were correct, but you know, the, to- the final totals were correct, but they did not include... Um, specific uh, uh, columns for the early vote and the mail-in vote. And that, there are good reasons for that because the system is much more complicated in counting them. Yep. But it, it was um, fascinating to find out how much more complicated elections have become. Hugh Dunn, leaving the city council and the city of New Bedford to take a job in Boston. Consequently, uh, we have a special election scheduled the primary in January and uh, then the final in uh, February. Um, what's your reaction to that? And have you heard any rumors about who might be running? Well, there's all kinds of rumors out there about who, who might be running. Um, everyone from, um, oh, what's that kid who ran in the uh, Democratic primary for state rep? I'm drawing a blank. He, his mother is um, Melissa uh, Costa. Um, anyway, I, I apologize for that, but um, Bob Romley has been mentioned. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Lisa Lemieux, who, uh, a labor activist, yeah. uh, several other people. I, I have no objection to Councilor Dunn resigning for a, a, be- a better job. Uh, I think it's probably an unforeseen circumstance. I do think that he has gone to work in Boston um, because he knows that his ambitious political career that he had here is over now. He may get reelected as Ward 3 councillor. He won't be elected mayor or, or state rep or state senator if he had ambitions for them, which I think he did. Um, I think Councillor Dunn was a, generally a good councillor. My longstanding opinion stated here has been that he owes the community an explanation of what happened that night. He's, he's gone through the court process. Uh, he was found not guilty of drunken driving, but the judge did say there was evidence you know that, that that could have convicted him, and he was his um, leaving the scene in negligent driving. Things were put on hold for a year, while he you know to see if he doesn't get in trouble. I think an elected official deserves you know should should he doesn't deserve he has a responsibility to explain to the community what happened. He never did that. Doesn't look like he's going to do it. That's my objection. The council had done. New Bedford is now a member. For those who don't know. New Bedford is now a member of the Massachusetts Bay Transit Authority. Uh, 80% vote. And the vote was overwhelming, overwhelming on Election Day. Maybe you didn't find the question. Maybe you didn't understand the question. Uh, but it is. it was an 80% margin. So apparently those cluster of signs I saw on North End didn't quite amount to much. But uh, anyway... Eighty percent uh, in New Bedford and seventy-nine percent in Fall River. Yeah, so I think people generally want to see this happen, and uh, they don't have to pay anything right away. We don't know down the line if they might have to pay uh, in terms of fees. Uh, you know, there's communities: New Bedford and uh, Fall River. 
But as of now, uh, the train is a coming. Well, we've uh, my my take on this is that we've all paid a little bit toward that six hundred million dollars that they've already spent building this train, uh, these tracks uh, sure. in our income in our state income taxes. So I think people thought. What, now you're going to ask us whether we want it? If this vote had been taken a few years ago before they spent the money yeah. to build the thing, I think it might have been different. It might have been different. You plan on riding the train, Jack? I'm going to ride it to my medical appointments in Boston. Well, there you go. <laughs> be a great column. That was always my joke when I was younger was that by the time they get this thing <laughs> built, I'll be old enough to have medical appointments in Boston, and that is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so there you go. So apparently Jack will ride the train and... I think I may Hope, join him. Hopefully we don't have to ride it too often for that reason. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. Um, so that is this segment of Town Square Sunday. Jack, have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, we're recording this before Thanksgiving, but certainly have a great one. And we'll see you soon. And uh, thanks for coming in. Same to you and your family. Jim. Stay right here. Town Square Sunday will return in just a moment. 